Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Shellard from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Brent by AMC Pathfinder. Brent, it's awesome to have you on the show, man. Yeah, Joe, hey, nice to, nice to see you, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've got to meet up a couple times at different conferences. I'm really excited to have you on the show. So for people who aren't familiar with you, uh, kind of give us a quick background, what you do, how you got into the space. It's always fun to hear people's stories. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm the founder of AMC Pathfinder, like you mentioned. Uh, we're primarily an advertising agency. We do some other ancillary services I can get to if that the conversation takes us there. But uh, I started with online advertising in 2011. Uh, I had an internship at a small B2B marketing firm and did Google ads there for a couple of years. Then fast forward to 2015, I was in a different industry uh, and I had a friend that was selling on Amazon and that was like the early, early days of what was the, let's call it like version, you know, 1.0 of Amazon seller where everybody was like doing, you know, products from China and putting a label on it and putting it on an Amazon and like making millions on their garlic, their yep. garlic press, you know? Garlic press, if anyone... <laughs> that's that's when I started, and it, yes. Uh, you know too well. experience in the garlic press conversations. Yes, yep. yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think you have that same pedigree then. You have that background from that, from that. Those are the early days. And, you know, I had... My context for advertising was largely Google, was largely B2B. So, like, you know, huge, huge high-ticket services. Like, I had advertised for, you know, car dealerships and uh, insurance, uh, B2B, like, software tools that... Uh, there's one that I used to work with that did, like, paperless... Uh, migration. So you'd be like a tool that would come in and they would help a company go paperless, which is like a massive undertaking. Okay. If you have, like imagine a company that has like thousands of filing cabinets. So these are like huge high ticket <laughs> things, yes. right? Super valuable. The person I knew was selling something for about $90 US. And so at that time, uh, you know, sponsored products was the only game in town. There wasn't, you know, sponsored brands or mm. sponsored display. And the CPCs were, if my memory's correct, like six or seven cents. Uh, this is an industrial and scientific. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's insane, right? Like, it's especially in industrial and scientific too. Yep, that, that sounds totally right. Even these <laughs> days, you might be able to get CPCs that are quite low in industrial scientific because we're all used to talking about baby and supplements and all these things, right? Which are like, you know, exceedingly costly these days. But uh, I saw the ROI in that and I was like, this is insane. And I immediately started like uh, surfing all these Facebook groups that were around. Some of them were attached to some of the bigger name podcasts back then. One of them was uh, Brian Johnson's. Uh, troubleshooting group shout out to brian uh for being for being in it from the early yeah. days and just started picking up clients uh so 2016 i actually hired some people part-time and then really 2017 it was i went like full-time on it at the end of yeah 2016 and and started uh traveling around and also simultaneously like hiring people full-time and growing it and we've been a remote agency ever since that is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, because I, I got going in the space kind of the same time frame. I, I started selling on Amazon in 2014. Wow. But really started deep diving into the advertising, like 2016, 2017 mm -hmm. time frame. Yeah, it, it was just a it was a different game then. Uh, you know, if you could set up an auto sponsor products campaign and run a low mm -hmm. bid, get a super awesome return on your advertising. If you wanted to get fancy, you could set up a manual campaign and pick a couple keywords, <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't much to it. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's kind of fun to look back. Like 
now the complexity, even just on the sponsored ad side and not even taking more of the mid upper funnel side or DSP or AMC, right. just the, the change in complexity and also the change in competition just over, you know, I, I mean, that wasn't that long ago in internet time. That was a, a super long time ago, but yeah. you know, that's six years ago. Yeah, It's true. Like internet time or Amazon time because their iteration is so fast and they're such a big company with so much resource. It, you know, that does seem like, a, like ages. And I think little did we know those were like the salad days, right? That was like the easiest time. Uh, and, you know, knowing what I know now, if I could go back in time and tell myself then, who knows what the company would look like now. But, you know, that's just a question of perspective and learning over time, right? We all we all go through that. Yeah. 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 I. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Got to constantly iterate. Got to constantly change. Got to constantly adapt. Or, yep. The Amazon world and the advertising world and the e-commerce world is going to leave you exactly. behind. Yeah. So, so one key piece that I want to get your take on, especially like starting with the Google mm -hmm. background. Um, and so I know you guys have run some like Google and outside traffic going to yeah. Amazon. So I wanted to get your take on that, like where you've seen it work, what you've seen work, like how do you typically define if we're looking at like outside traffic and driving that sure. to Amazon? What's what's the right case when people listening and they're saying, OK, yep, that's me. Maybe I should try this. Yeah, this is this, this has a lot of nuance, this discussion. So uh, I'm happy to dig into this. I mean, let's like lay some kind of like groundwork first. The first thing is Amazon, let's just assume, because this is what we're, we're assuming in doing this, that Amazon is incentivizing and rewarding people that are sending, you know, relevant external traffic, the keyword there being like relevant. I, th I think if you just take a campaign and you blast a bunch of garbage at Amazon on your listing, you're probably going to hurt yourself because it's going to be a bunch of irrelevant, you know, impressions and sessions without conversion. And that's probably not in your best interest, right? And by external traffic, For I sure. mean anything that's like outside of Amazon's ecosystem. So the one that we are primarily concerned with is Google, but like we've seen clients and people I know have TikTok agencies that seems to be like a big one that seems to be more like a one-time spike. And then you kind of, you know, benefit yep. from that and the BSR uh, and the keyword rank improvements. Uh, Pinterest is probably good. I know Amazon just inked a deal with them recently. We're not going to see their fruits of that just mm -hmm. yet. The one we're focused on is Google because the Google model is really similar to what we're all accustomed to with Amazon, right? It's uh, primarily keyword based. Um, you know, we have, of course have ASIN targeting on Amazon too, but you know, for the purposes of this, we're focused on keywords mostly and it's cost per click, you know, you know, second, second, second highest, uh, past the post bidding, whatever it's called, you know, the auction model. And it's really the same kind of like search intent when people are on Google. Uh, now, obviously the volume of searches on Google is far greater. I, I've seen estimates like from 3 billion searches related to products a day to 6 or 7 billion searches in general. So, you know, a large chunk of those uh, per day are you know, product related. But the distinction with Google is you need to try to sort through all the informational, navigational, contextual queries and look for the ones that are like purchase intent based. So what we're trying to do when we're pulling that traffic over from Google is kind of dig a new, um, dig a new stream, if you will, <laughs> take our shovels out and dig a new stream yeah. and channel some of that uh, water into the, into the river of like Amazon demand. So uh, there are, there sure. are terms that are like more or less appropriate for it. That, that's the way I would like kind of set up the stage for it. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, and what we've, I love how you kind of talk through like digging through some of the informational queries and getting to those product specific mm-hmm, searches. Mm-hmm. Like one really easy approach that we've taken to try to do that is there's many people who will search on Google and they'll type in a general term. So let's just say I live up in northern Minnesota, summer's coming, we'll say camping yeah. tent. Um, and then they'll, they'll follow it up with Amazon. Right. And so they want to directly go to Amazon to find their camping tent. And maybe we even get a little bit more long tail and maybe sell like a four person camping tent. And then they have Amazon appended on either side. All right. So we could either have them go and see the general like search results for the four person camping tent, or we could run an ad and then direct them directly to our product detail page. And so that's one of the little tricks that we've found just trying to use Google traffic. All right. They're searching for products and they want to go to Amazon. Mm -hmm. All right. Conversion rate is probably going to be a decent amount higher than more of the general terms. And so those are kind of like some of the niche cases that we've found that have worked well utilizing Google, sending it over, then getting the brand referral bonus that also helps on the margin standpoint to cover some of the costs. Yeah, Yeah, that's the next part, actually. I should have mentioned the groundwork is the brand referral bonus, which as far as I'm aware, Joe, I know we were talking about this before, you know, we're not up to date on every single thing in the ecosystem, but I think that brand referral bonus is still only in North America because we have attribution in like every country, right? So, you know, France, Germany, uh, you know, we we do some uh, Google stuff here in Europe. But yeah, brand referral, I think is only in the US. That's roughly that 10% back, which is pretty, which is pretty incredible and pretty cool. But to your point with like the Amazon append on the, and the thing that's like a navigational query and a, um, you know, transactional query. So it's got that beauty of like both things. And, uh, you know, one problem we've run into with some clients is that they already have uh, Google traffic driving to their homepage. Maybe it's Shopify or similar, you know, sure. some other kind of e-commerce platform. And when we do that, we have to make a distinction between, okay, these are Amazon like specific terms. And these are the ones that we're, you know, we're not going to mess with. Maybe they run it themselves. Maybe they have an agency and that goes to their own e-com site. So we try to have like a distinction between those two and say, Hey, these ones we're interested in on Amazon are typically terms that already have some demand on Amazon. So we're just trying to boost your existing rank for that. That's the primary reason that clients are interested in doing it. Uh, secondarily, you know, it might be good for making money. Like there's ROAS, especially if you get brand referral bonus in there. And third of all, uh, it might be useful for launches in some cases, but really what clients are looking for is like, uh, either maintenance or boost of organic, uh, rank. And we we have found in our, you know, testing with this, it can be accomplished with like steady spend over the course of two months at minimum. Uh, and by steady, I mean like every day that keyword is receiving clicks and spend and hopefully add to carts and conversions, right? Because we can actually see that with attribution now. And it's not something that's going to happen like in a week or two. It's sustained and it has to have a steady conversion rate. That's like the the that's in the pocket, right? Those are like the five or six conditions that if you meet, you will probably see increase in organic rank and then a sustain uh, with it. And once we get it like set up and configured properly, uh, that's kind of the nice thing about search advertising in general is like, you know, 
except for some seasonality, like the tents you mentioned, it probably goes to crap in the winter uh, in, in Minnesota, yeah. right? That's not good. No, one, no one's doing four-person. Sure. You do not want to geotarget yeah. Minnesota for tents yeah, well, in the winter. Yeah, no, no one's doing four-person, one-person, or six-person camping. No one's doing any kind of camping in Minnesota, I think, in the, in the winter, unless they're, you know, unless they're really wild. But uh, yeah, that, that's when we see like an actual impact that I think is noticeable. And we track that through, we used, we used a couple tools, but you know, we use like one to track the actual organic rank and then the tool we use for actually running the ads, which is called Amped actually as a tool out there that has some built-in tracking too. So we track it in multiple places to make sure like there's, it's, it's actually happening. It's not just one tool telling us it's happening. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Are, are there any specific products or categories or price points or consumables versus mm-hmm. non-consumables that you see work better with the outside traffic or especially like the Google yeah, example? Price points, I would say things that are more than $35 or $40 US. I think things that are too cheap, they don't really work. You know, you might be able to figure out some arbitrage occasionally, like a keyword is cheaper on Google than it is on Amazon. That does happen. But generally speaking, the conversion rate is going to be lower. You know, conversion rates, and you guys know yeah. this because you're always posting those awesome graphs on LinkedIn, but like, you know, conversion rates on Amazon for ads can be like eight, nine, 10%. For Google, it might be like two or three, like maybe like four if you're like really lucky, right? So, uh, yeah, the conversion rate is going to be far less than than usual. So things that are higher priced, maybe things that do have a longer consideration uh, cycle where you're getting them to that detail page or uh, in our case, we run a lot of traffic to store storefronts too, like storefront pages, because those are sure. absent any competitors. And that's kind of interesting. Yep. You know, that that might be the right use case for it. Yeah. You know, we actually have only we have a lot of clients with like durable products. We don't have that many consumable uh, product clients. We do, uh, but not that many. So I'm not sure if we're actually running for that. I think, I think for there's one I can think of that we are, but I don't have the numbers in front of me to be able to say it's like, uh, working super well or not well based on just that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we've seen, and you you just had a ton of great points there. So like, you know, conversion rates coming from Google tend to be quite a bit lower than coming from Amazon. And that's even the case once you get like very specific terms, like somebody wants to search on, you know, when they do camping tents, Amazon, even from that, when it's like really indicating both shopper intent and where they want to purchase, we still see conversion rates being lower. And so in terms of the arbitrage standpoint, you had to have a decently low CPC. You had to find some unique yeah. cases to yeah. make that work. Yeah. The other case where we've really, where we found success is those products that have high lifetime values. And so like we do have a lot of products that are more consumables okay. where if you just look at the specific ACOS or ROAS for that initial purchase, it definitely doesn't make sense. But then once you extend it out and the average person who comes in buys three or four more of these products, then it really starts to make more sense. And like for a a lot of our advertisers are based in North America where we can take advantage of the brand referral mm-hmm. bonus. So you take that into account and then the potential like ranking impacts too. That's where it starts to make sense, but it's really taking a bigger picture approach and really expanding beyond just that ACOS or ROAS mindset that, you know, some Amazon brands can get themselves stuck. Yeah. In. Okay. Well that's, that's well advised, man. I'm taking that under consideration because maybe we should be rolling this out to more of our, um, 
the the handful of consumable uh, clients that we do have, you know, that that sell stuff that has a maybe a lower price point, but is a repeat purchase, repeat purchase, repeat purchase. And man, if you can get people on a subscribe and save, uh, which I think is one of the attribution fields in in Amazon attribution, isn't it? I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it should be. If it's not, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it should be if it's head. not yeah. because that's a super valuable thing. I mean, I know in DSP it is it has been for years, but in attribution, I don't know if it is. Uh, and actually, one last thing about that, we suspect that the attribution is actually underreporting sometimes from, from what from the data okay. like we've compared and what we've seen we think it's underreporting so maybe Amazon oh. will update that and come up with what we think of the real numbers which would actually be even more in our favor so I sure. hope that's the yeah, case it's, fingers, <laughs> fingers crossed it, it, it much better be underreported than overreported yeah exactly yeah overreporting is like a cardinal sin with any attribution so <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't want to do that. So so we were talking about like ACOS and ROAS. You know, as we look at like bottom of funnel strategies. So if we look at like sponsored products, you know, it's pretty easy to measure the contribution or the impact that those ads have just because they're so close to the sale. But as you start moving up to more like mid or upper funnel strategies, this is where we get a lot more questions on, hey, what should we be looking at? What should we be measuring? What should we be implementing? So let's just take the take the case where, all right, we've got solid campaign funnel structure. We've got it built out. We've got the bottom of the funnel, sponsored products, you know, maybe a sponsored display product targeting, like all, all the major bottom of the funnel strategies built mm-hmm. out and feel like we're solid on that. Where do you tend to move after that in terms of building out that mid and upper funnel? What are you measuring? What's the cutoff point? Like how high do you go? That's always another question. I'm always really interested to hear other people's take on this just because it gets a little bit more gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where it starts to get messy for sure. And I think that maybe the, maybe the first thing to lay like the foundation again is to try to educate our clients about moving away from just ACOS focus and maybe even away from from tacos focus, you know, total ACOS, which is the one of the other big ones in our industry. Uh, I'm a big fan of new to brand. I like that metric a lot. And, you know, they had that in sponsored brands for a long time. But I know, I know now that we can get this in sponsored products through uh, AMC because we, we do use yep. AMC through a, a third-party tool and have a dashboard for that for just select clients. And that's been one of my favorite things to see for sponsored products, actually. It's like new to brand. So I'm a big fan of like new to brand. I think that's like under under discussed, underused. Another one that I'm trying to wrap uh, my team's head around and wrap my own head around would just be like lifetime value and customer acquisition costs, which are like classic e-commerce sure. metrics. I'm not sure if we're really able to uh, connect customer acquisition costs correctly right now. I don't think we have that anywhere. And lifetime value, you can get from some dashboards in Amazon, but then actually linking that up with advertising is not something... I think we've been able to accomplish. So those are some of the ones that are all like on my like hit list these days. Cause the other day I sat down and I made a thing that's like, here are the four layers of, you know, Amazon attribution at different, at different levels of like maturity of a business. And some clients, you know, yeah. at, at the end of it, I think they're really interested in profit, but profit is a calculation that requires a lot of, a lot of things. So like cogs, LTV, CAC, and then if you can factor all those things in, you can figure out profit. But that's not profit that we might know out of it as it from like ACOS, where it's like, well, my COGS is this much, and my break-even ACOS is this much, and it's 25, and we're at 17, <laughs> so therefore, profit. It's like, well, not really, actually. That's not, yep. that's not the full, uh, that's not the full uh, perspective on that. There's other things to it. 
yeah, what do you guys look at? I'm, I'm yeah. really curious now. <laughs> I, I mean, no, I, I love this discussion because you can end up in these other situations too where like, all right, I can run all branded spend. Like I'll, I'll do all brand defense campaigns for responsive yeah. products. And my return on advertising is going to yeah, look great. It's going to skyrocket. You know, so I can take that. Yep. Conversion rate, super high. Like cost per click. It was reasonable. And yep. Look at all these sales I made. So you can calculate profit that way. But is that really like the true profit? Because you're kind of just cannibalizing a lot of those branded search, branded searches that where they're going to scroll yeah. down to your product yeah. anyway. And so it's not measuring the true impact for ads. Like when we run ads, the the idea of ads is to get somebody to buy who would not have bought without seeing that ad. And so I love the focus on new to brand too. Like, all right. So new to brand. So there could be people who are searching for my brand because they're just doing a repeat mm -hmm. purchase. There could be other people who maybe I drove them in through the rest of the funnel and then they're searching and doing a branded search too. I, it, these are the type of items that we've had a lot of fun digging into. Like the search query performance report, one way we are starting to use that is you can see your market share percentage. Yeah. So you can actually turn off like our brand defense campaign. So let's not defend our brand for a little bit. And then let's look at our market share for purchases and see if that's impacted or not. And we can finally quantify, like, what is the <clears throat> pure incrementality that we have from our ads? And then can we reallocate that budget elsewhere? Mm -hmm. So if we do pull spend from branded search to more general terms, our ACOS is going to look yeah. worse. And our ROAS is going to look worse, but we could be driving more incremental sales with those ads. And so I, I don't know. I love the, the conversation. I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit, but <laughs> I'm just processing yeah, it, here as you're talking. Really, Cause I'm thinking like, like one thing I fantasize about with client accounts sometimes is like, yeah, just forget your brand. Like, let's just go as so, super hard as we can against all these competitor ASINs where we have an advantage and just like dominate their pages. And like, yeah, the ACOS is not going to be as yeah. great, but we're, we're like ripping these customers away from these other things. Cause you know, you know, Amazon is like this dog eat dog environment where, yeah, it's like, Hey, here's your innocent product detail page. And then there's like ads plastered all over it. And those ads are like people that are trying to steal that customer. You know, if you're a shopper, you're like playing this, like you're like distracted, like squirrel, squirrel, you know, you're looking at all these ads. Yep. Yep. And, and to be clear, I'm not saying let's pull all brand defense, but we, now we finally have like a way that we can mm -hmm. measure the impact, which was always the core question. It's like, all right, do I defend my brand? Do I not? If I do, how much am I cannibalizing sales? If I don't, how much of those competitors are going to come in and steal all my, right, right. The, the people who are searching for me? So, you know, it's a, it's another piece. And I love the discussion and kind of trying to break out like lifetime value and acquisition cost and being able to, to tie that to like specific ads. Right. Like that would be so awesome to be able to do. We're, we're starting to work more on lifetime value and really trying to get a deeper dive through tools like Amazon Marketing mm -hmm. Cloud. Mm -hmm. But it's not perfect no, yet. It's not. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and, and I feel like if you can break through that, there's so many other decisions. If I can, can put make. my conspiracy hat on for a second, Joe, I think that Amazon sometimes yeah. intentionally doesn't want us to know some of these things. So they're like, yeah, it's going to be an AMC, but like we're not going to make it super easy to like connect these things. And you have to have a pretty advanced you know, SQL person or program on the other end to like download store interpret that data maybe it's just that it's a real challenge but i feel like if they wanted to and this is amazon we're talking about <laughs> they could give us a better sure. idea of uh repurchases and lifetime value but they still see those customers as their own customers you know and this is why generally sure. speaking a lot of our clients aspire to 
30% of their sales off Amazon and owning the relationship there more. And then, you know, on, 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 you know, uh, platforms like Shopify, like, yeah, you can actually calculate these things a lot easier. So I, I'm suspicious. I would, I would counter, I would counter a bit Mm -hmm. where, I think that if we can see lifetime value better and we can see repeat purchases mm-hmm. better, I think then we can justify more advertising spend because now that can drive people a little bit further away from ROAS and ACOS. And at the end of the day, they're trying to maximize advertising For spend. Sure. So unless the repeat purchase numbers we have right now are looking better than they actually are, I think there's a benefit to it. But like you said, yeah, any repeat purchases, it's driving back to Amazon. They're Amazon's customers. We're holding on with our mm-hmm. brand mm-hmm. too. Um, so, you know, in terms of value of repeat purchases on Amazon versus on my website directly you know big difference yeah there too. i think that's a valid pushback you just gave because i think amazon as a company in my experience can be convinced or at least persuaded to entertain something if you give them the reason why and then you provide data behind it they're always interested in what's the data like if you just say like this interface for sponsored brands is bad they're like okay well that's called complaining and if you say this interface for sponsored brands is bad because it takes (laughs) us x amount of time to do it and we would build x more campaigns and spend x more money they would say well that's data now we're interested so i I think that they have you know strong opinions weekly held as as an organization at least that's my experience yeah. from you know talking to people at the company um, over the years. Sure. Hey, are are there any areas that are getting you really excited right now, or any deep dives you've been doing, or things that that you've been seeing changing that that, that are getting? You well, we're talking about AMC. I mean, we run um, uh, video cam. So we we have AMC for uh, one client for whom we also run a lot of uh, video, uh, you know, advertisements on DSP. Sure. And it's been super cool for us to actually see what do those video campaigns do? What do they really do? Because before the attribution model, I think we had was like pretty bad, and you know, you'd see, oh, here are some sales attributed to these video campaigns, but their ROAS was like terrible. But then uh, with AMC, we're actually, oh no, wait, they actually, we can see what's happened. They saw the video campaign. They were exposed to the brand two more times through display ads. And then they clicked on sponsored products on the, um, you know, in the actual ecosystem itself when they were shopping on Amazon. And now we can actually connect some of that together. Now it's not easy to do. And that's not, you know, the majority of clients. But if you try to attribute uh, you know, take the attribution model and kind of spread it out more. Well, then actually those video campaigns start looking a bit better and it makes a lot more sense to run them at great scale and rotate out uh, the creative and, you know, spend more money on them more regularly. There are brands we work with for whom this is appropriate. You know, they have enough money to do that. Um, that's definitely not all of them, but AMC has instilled in me, I think like a new level of confidence with some aspects of DSP, uh, which is something that, you know, we don't really specialize in like super hardcore. We have like eight or nine clients that use it. But, you know, that, that's been like an eye opener. I've been really, really jazzed on that, actually. The other thing I'm really excited about is marketing stream, which, uh, yeah, I know you guys are big on sure. too, because you're, you're yet again posting those uh, screenshots that are, that are always really interesting. But the ability to, um, you know, adjust by time of day and, you know, look at conversion rate and make those decisions, I think has unlock the ability for us if we're doing it properly to utilize the same or less ad budget and make it more effective in terms of you know just exposure and just the classic like a cost right i can't wait until there's other stuff in there like geo targeting i think i think it's pretty well established at this point joe maybe you'd agree with this that like amazon does 
base organic rank on, on geography. So if you're searching from Minnesota, I'm searching from France, someone's searching from Florida, you know, there's fulfillment centers that yeah. are close to all of those locations. And maybe I have 500 units in Florida and I have three in Minnesota at a fulfillment center. So that sure. person in Florida is going to see it better than you are. Well, how does that actually impact our ads? Wow, that adds a whole nother layer of stuff that we can mess around with. So I'm really excited about yeah. that, potentially. I don't know if when's that going to happen, but... Yeah, I, I love that thought too. I mean, living in northern Minnesota, sometimes our delivery times can be a little bit longer, especially <laughs> if the yeah if the inventory is down in a warehouse down in Florida or something. And so, yeah, being able to target geo target just based off delivery time itself. I mean, with how how uh, competitive the platform is, like yeah, that that could be really love sweet. To um, totally agree too. Like a- AMC, we've been getting really pumped up about just for upper funnel strategies. Yeah, because before you look at ROAS, well, it's last touch attribution. So a lot of the sales that were initially introduced from that video ad get attributed further down the funnel. And so ROAS is going to look terrible. So then all you could look at is like, well, here's my reach or – but it it just – you didn't get that tie to like what truly drives a business, which is sales. And so being able to see that customer journey, be able to to see the impact, being able to see the conversion rates for people who have seen the video and then came through a sponsored product Mm -hmm. ad, like all those pieces are so valuable. And I think it's really going to help drive more mid to upper funnel spend because we can now tie it back to like the core business metrics. Right. Right. Yeah. Previously we had reported on just, Oh, here's how many impressions. Here's the click through rate. Here's how many, uh, you know, detail page views, things like that. I remember running DSP some years ago and being like, look at all these detail page views. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but like, how about the, <laughs> how about the things we want? Sales. It's like mumble, mumble, mumble. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like <laughs> somewhere. And then over here, uh, you know, step three profit, right? The old, the old meme. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, and AMS, I think, you know, one thing we haven't used, let me know if you guys are using this at all with, with uh, marketing stream is some of the alerts, right? So we have like the alerts for campaigns that are incremented by 5% and then like, you know, state changes like campaign is paused, maybe because something loses the buy box. We haven't really used that yet. I think that's another sure. interesting thing that's a part of AMS. It, have you guys operationalized that? This is this is inside agency talk now, but I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, no, the, the biggest use case that we've seen there is maybe like running out of mm-hmm. budgets and where we see the biggest use case are days like yes. Prime Day oh, absolutely. or Black Friday or days where traffic really Christmas spikes because usually we can control pretty well. We, we get day by day through the API, mm-hmm. but it's what Amazon Marketing Stream does for those who are listening. It provides like real time updates. And so um, say if we're having a big spike in traffic, now we can see what's out of budget intraday where before we'd have to go through and pull the API, refresh it constantly through the day now we can get those updates so like budget's been a key one for us that we've been able to use intraday with amazon marketing okay very good that's that's interesting because i mean i think that's part of the reason that marketing stream was created because amazon didn't want people hammering the apis because it's a lot of resource on their end and your end right (laughs) people like people well it's not just you man it's every (laughs) software provider anyone doing it 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 was the solution that we had you know but now we have a better solution i really i really talk to clients and people about ams as thinking like push notifications on your phone right it's really the same idea it's like something happens, you receive a notification. You're not the one going in there and refreshing the app every five seconds, right? It's someone yeah. sending something I, to I you. I love it. I, that, that's a good analogy. Yeah, it's I perfect. Like that. It's literally push versus pull. So it's the same idea. And I, I love to see it. Yeah. 
All right, Brent, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to have you back on the sure, podcast. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, for, for those people like who want to get more in contact with you, follow your content. Mm-hmm. I know, you, you know you're on multiple different podcasts, like Ad Badger Podcast. See you on there quite a bit. So where, where should people find you, follow you? Uh, yeah, sure. If you want to find or follow me personally, you can actually go to my own website, which is like a Linktree style website. It's uh, brent.bike. Yeah, I own the dot .bike domain for my name. I'm a really big cyclist, and I thought it was like distinctive. That. So www.brent.bike, that has links to everything, including my Strava profile for cyclists out there. And if you want to just get in touch with Pathfinder, you can go to amzpathfinder.com uh, forward slash report. We have a quarter two report we put out every quarter. Uh, you know, this one's just for this quarter, and it details like stuff we're thinking about, stuff we care about. And that's just a free download. So go ahead and check that out. Those are the two best places. Sweet. Sweet. Well, thanks again, Brent, for joining the podcast. And for all those who are listening, as always, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode. 